on, here's your opportunity. Come on, to raise those hands with us. Come on, raise your all over this room. The Bible says you just need a little bit of faith. You just need a tiny little mustard seed of faith this morning. So if this morning you find yourself and you're not too sure if this Jesus thing is real, come on, he's just asking for a mustard seed of faith, a tiny little poppy seed of faith this morning. Raise your hands this morning and say, Jesus, I'm here. Touch my heart. Touch my heart, God. I want to feel you. Meet us in this place, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Ghost. Come on, if you're saved and you're born again, come on, just start speaking in tongues in this place. We welcome the Holy Spirit of God in this room. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Have your way, Holy Ghost. Just one touch from heaven is all we need. Jesus. Jesus, nothing's going to hinder you. you would speak to our hearts this morning come on can you just tell him my heart's wide open come on where you're standing right now can you just tell him my heart is wide open my heart is wide open to you holy spirit we believe that god wants to speak to us and holy ghost we give you this time yourself that question are you ready this morning come on are you ready 
this morning if Jesus would come back, if your life would be demanded of you, are you ready right now in this moment? And if you're not sure what that answer is, Jesus is calling you. He is beckoning you to come to him. And all you got to do is say, Jesus, I believe who you are. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my mistakes. And God, this morning I come to you and I ask that you would forgive me of those mistakes, of those sins. And God, give me a new life from this day forward. Come on, if you pray that prayer, if you mean that from your heart, you can be ready to meet your maker this morning. Come on, there's so many of you that are not ready. And he's saying, come, come be ready. Come be ready. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Come on, he's going to come like a robber when you're not expecting it. And he's calling a church. He's calling a people that are ready for him. Come on, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you this morning. He loves you, and that's why he came on the cross. He loves you this morning. Jesus, Jesus. God, we just break every chain, God, that keeps us from you. Come on, I speak freedom over our congregation this morning, over every heart. And I bind everything that would separate us from you in the name of Jesus. Come on, every hindrance right now in the room is broken in the name of Jesus. Every hindrance, every fear, every doubt is broken right now in the name of Jesus. Every lie is broken right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm speaking to that. I'm speaking to that fear. I'm speaking to that doubt in the name of Jesus. I speak to every person dealing with depression. Come on, dealing with hardship of life. You feel like giving up. Come on, Jesus is saying, stand strong. Rely on me. Come on, we believe in a God that is stronger than what you're dealing with. Come on, church, fill this place with your praise. Fill this place with the sound of heaven. Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And there's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain. Come on, if you believe that, raise your hands and sing it with Chris. There's power. Jesus, this morning. Come on, in the room, there's power in his name. There is power in his name. Break every chain.
the way it's going. We just, we just lift up America in Jesus' name. Just everybody in your own heart, whatever sector of culture, be it the realm of education, be it the military, be it uh, the media and entertainment. How many know we need Jesus? We need the goodness and the love and mercy and grace of God to infiltrate every sector. So everybody, just as we just reflect on that. As we sing that, just, just slowly, there is power in the name of Jesus. Come on. There is power. There is power. Father, we come to you in that name. In that name. In that name. You can change the hearts of the most powerful men and women and the most poor men and women. We ask you to do that. We ask for a sweeping revival, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. We don't come in our own strength, in our own righteousness, in our own goodness. We come in his. We plead his shed blood over a sin-sick dying nation. We ask for his resurrection life to, to revive families and revive uh, communities. Every chain of, of, of sexual immorality, every chain of corruption, every chain of blasphemy, these chains, what we're saying is they're, they're tying people down, they're bound, and they're not free to serve God. The name of Jesus, the proclamation of Jesus Christ will break those chains.
upright exalts the city. So we come on the one hand with intercession. We come with that sense, you're a God of justice. We're a sinful people. This isn't good. But we're not hopeless. We're not without hope. We come in Jesus' name. And and in Jesus' name, we're righteous. And in Jesus' name, we speak a blessing over our city. And in Jesus' name, on behalf of our nation, on behalf of whatever culture we represent, we bless your name. We return to you. We want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to do it your way. We repent. And we know when we repent, you refresh. We know when we repent, you forgive. We know when we repent, you restore and you bless. And we thank you for that. Our faith is in that. Our hope is in that. We pray all of this in the great name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can find your seat. Everybody just uh, find a seat. Stay uh, prayerful. Think holy thoughts as you sit down. Amen. And we're going to dismiss the kiddos. Um, to, to Sunday school, and they're, they're coming out on this side, uh, on my left. Good morning. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Uh, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here uh, on staff, and I want to take a time out as we do at every service. A- and we have a lot of family here for the dedications, but don't think this is a switcheroo because we do this every service. Amen. We believe the gospel message is important. We believe that it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes so that your adherence to the message I'm about to preach, that's life or death, heaven or hell for you. It has the power to change your life forever. Let's get that verse up there. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Thank you. Just going to read this here. This was spoken by a man named Paul. He was a great missionary and he went to many towns and cities and nations and he preached Jesus. But before he was a great missionary, he was a great murderer. He was a religious terrorist, if you will. He went around killing people and persecuting them because he thought they had the wrong religion. He was killing the first Christians for blasphemy. And this is what he has to say now as a man of God. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. You can trust it. You can stake your life on it, and it deserves your full acceptance. You should embrace it. You should believe it with all your heart. That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Anybody here ever sinned? Anybody here never sinned? I'd like to shake your hand. I'd like to know your secret. No, we've all sinned. We've all broken the commands of God. And really, not just the individual acts of sin that are breaking God's commandments, but the heart of sin is taking the life God gave us and shutting God out and trying to do it our own terms, our own way. 
that's called rebellion. Sin is rebellion against God. And Jesus came into the world to save rebels, to save sinners. And Paul says he was the worst because he looks back. I was a murderer. I was ignorant. I was blasphemous. I was insolent. I was stubborn. And he says those in the verses prior. Now, the problem we have is we say, well, I'm not like him. I'm not an ISIS terrorist. I don't behead people. I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't eat people. But as I've stated, it's the heart of rebellion against a great and holy God, against a worthy God, against a God who made you for a purpose, against a God who uh, loved you and gave his son for you. And we live our lives perpetually shaking our fist at him by by our manner of life. Each and every one of us, the Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. Jesus came to the world to save sinners. And he says that he was an example so that people could look at him and say, if God could save him, he could save anybody. But why was he an example? Was it that, okay, now he's a forgiven sinner, you know? Or was it that his life was completely changed? As I've said, he went from a great murderer to a great missionary. A man whose heart was filled with hate and malice to a man whose heart was filled with love, sacrificial love for God and people. And he is living proof, and there's people in this room, living proof that when we believe in Jesus, we receive eternal life. And that's not just I'm going to go to heaven someday after I die. Eternal life begins today. Your life is changed. God fills your heart. God makes you a new man with new desires and a new view on life and power to overcome sin in this world. And that's what we're talking about here. If I could get uh, some of our leaders here, Pastors Berto and Griselda, we're going to have a time of fellowship in a moment. If we could stand, there's going to be some fun music playing. But if you know you need Jesus, you're a sinner, and you need a Savior, you may not know the first thing about praying, about Christianity, about the Bible, Let them pray with you. Let them encourage you. Let them share with you what they know, and you'll have that opportunity. For the rest of us, you know, we're just going to love on each other, but we need to respond to Jesus. We need to put our complete trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we, we put the gospel out there. It has power right now for those who believe to change their to change their life, that they will leave this building different, that the God-shaped hole in their heart will be filled, that they will be filled with the love of God, and they'll never be the same, and their sins will be wiped out, and they'll have a relationship with you, a love relationship with you that they never even imagined. And they'll have a mission and a purpose that they never could have found on their own. Father, I pray that every heart that needs this gospel today will embrace it. Every heart that needs to adhere to that trustworthy saying would adhere to it. They just drop the the skepticism. Sure, we have questions or whatever, but, but, but faith, trust. I trust in your goodness, God. I trust that when I call on Jesus, Jesus will save me. Thank you, God, for everybody that's here, and we thank you, God, for everybody that you have saved and will save in this room. And we pray this in Jesus' good name. And everybody said, Amen. Now we want to say our confession of faith. This is something that just reflects what we believe in our heart of hearts.
as, as Christians, as people who love Jesus. So we're going to say it together at the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. You're going to have an opportunity to make some friends right now, greet some people you don't know, or uh, talk to our pastors here about meeting Jesus. God bless you.
All right, who's excited to be at Metro Praise International this morning? I feel the love. Do you feel the love? Because I feel the love. A lot of love in this place. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We are so thankful and grateful that you came to join us for service and worshiping the Lord. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. If you could just raise your hand in the air if you've never been here before. Our ushers will get this brochure to you if you did not receive one at the door already. Uh, if you could just sign the bottom portion of it and fill it out, put it in the drop box. We would love to connect with you throughout the week. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And then we have Elevate every Fridays at 7 p.m. for 11 to 18 years old. So if you are in that age range or know somebody who is, please invite them on by. Uh, they're just live, love, living for Jesus, loving Jesus. And how many of you guys know uh, or believe that our teenagers need the Lord? Come on. So we have a place for them to experience God. We have an exciting announcement. I know we mentioned it last week, but we are having an MPI Super Bowl party. Who's excited? So it's going to be, who's coming? Make some noise. It's going to be Super Bowl Sunday at 5 p.m. right here at this location. And we're going to have pizza, prizes, and $50 for the person who could bring the most friends. So if you guys want an extra $50 to go shopping, to buy something, bring friends. And even if you don't win the $50, just have in your mind, even if I bring one person, that's one more person that gets to come, fellowship with the church, hear a message at, hang, uh, at halftime. And then uh, just a side note, a little special something for the ladies who are not into sports per se. We will be having makeovers and massages for you guys in the back. So if you like to be pampered, you want to come uh, and just invite the ladies and say, hey, if you don't want to watch the game, we're going to get pampered. So bring your neighbor, your best friend, your cousin. We want to pack this place out and make it exciting for you guys. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and it's loving people. Two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us. And then we, our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. Say it with me. Connect, mentor, send. And the way we want to connect you to the church, connect you to, to Jesus, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. On the back of your handout, you're going to get a whole schedule of what we have happening, what's going on, what kinds of life groups, where they're at, who the leaders are. And every week we like to give you a snapshot of what's going on. So this week, this is what we have for you guys. If you don't know what to do, where to go, get plugged in, find a place to belong. So our snapshot of life groups for this week as they get it up there. We'll just wait a little. This Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, which meets every week, infant to 11 years old from 6.30 to 8. You can drop off your children, have a free time to yourself have a day night with your husband or get some laundry done something just bring out your kids that's their time to get discipled amen then we have two adult bible studies every single friday one at the Goveas, one at the walkers both have child care both meet at 7 p.m and it's for 18 and up and then every saturday we have evangelism the team meets here all ages are welcome 5 p.m we hit the streets and preach the gospel on the streets how many of you guys believe that chicago needs jesus how many of you believe we have the answer? Come on. And his name is Jesus. So we go out and preach. So get plugged into that life group. And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our 101 book, which is Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through this and uh, meet with you one-on-one. -on -one. And then we have our 201 class that meets every Sunday morning. This is our second phase of discipleship, disciples that make disciples, where we train you and teach you how to defend the faith and be a leader. And then we want to send you out. Somebody say send. 
And then our goal is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches here in this city and 500 around the world. If you believe we can do that, by God's grace, say amen. Praise the Lord. We are going to get ready right now to learn about tithes and offerings. Look to your neighbor and say, tithes and offerings. Look to your other neighbor, say, it's time. We're going to be getting our lesson from the Disciples Giving book. We went through the whole book, 52 lessons. There's one lesson for every week of the year, and we are starting it again. It's called the Disciples Giving book. If you want to go through it on your Safari, on your phone, it's givingbook.org. We're on section one, and we will be talking, uh, learning about lesson four today. So lesson four, the title is The Tithe is Relevant for Today. If you could please turn with me also in your Bibles to Matthew 23. Verse 23, we will be reading that part of the, uh, the scriptures today. So Matthew 23, 23. So the tithe is relevant for today. The definition of tithe, as we have been learning, is that it is 10% of our total income given faithfully to God. Somebody say faithfully. Let's read out of Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. This is Jesus talking. Somebody say Jesus. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. How many of you guys believe that Jesus is serious when it comes to tithing, comes to living right in your heart, having the right heart? Here are the main points from that verse. Number one, Jesus commended the Jews for tithing. The Jewish leaders were rebuked for many things, but being faithful in tithing was something Jesus actually complimented them for. How you guys remember uh, the many times that Jesus actually rebukes the Pharisees, rebukes the Sadducees, but the, the thing about them is that they're faithful in their tithing, and he compliments that uh, about them. And so we should have that same attitude. And then number two, which brings us to the next type of attitude that we should have, tithing by itself is not all that God wants. God wants more than just our wallets. He also wants our hearts. We should practice both tithing and justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's not either or, but rather both and and. Having a right heart before God and putting him first in our finances. Here's the summary. Jesus was concerned with people giving their best to God in tithing, and he wanted people to be full of love for others. Therefore, we should do both today as well. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, be faithful in tithing. How many of you guys can do that with me this morning? How many of you guys have been doing that? Come on. You can never outgive God. He always will come through. And number two, don't hide your disobedience behind giving money. Be sure to both tithe and be obedient to all of God's other commands. We have to do it all. Let's, uh, let's confess this together. This is our confession of faith in regards to our finances. On the count of three, one, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse and must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Stand up to your feet with me this morning if you are ready to give your tithe and offering before the Lord. I want to remind you about our building fund that we are in currently. We are um, 
raising money and making our pledges to, ra to raise the finances to buy a new 15-passenger van. How many of you guys excited about that? We believe in reaching out to our city and our to communities to pick up people. We pick up children from the west side for Wednesdays. We pick them up Fridays. There's rides for the youth, adults, every service, anything that we have to offer, and it's all free. So by God's grace, we are believing for a new, more reli uh, reliable vehicle, and that is the building fund that we are in. Again, our, we believe at MPI that our tithe is 10% of our total income, and then an offering is anything above that, which we either designate towards missions or we designate to our building fund. And currently, we are in that building fund offering. And so we just want to continue to encourage all of you to get a word from the Lord. How much does he want you to give this year towards this project that we have so we can meet the needs of our people in our city and the gospel can be preached, that they could come here and hear the message. Amen. And let's recite this um, scripture together. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. And we thank you, Lord, that you provide all that we need. You promise to take care of us when we put your kingdom and your righteousness first, God. And we thank you that we could never outgive you. You care for us. You want to prosper us, and you want to bless us. So I pray for every tither and giver in this place. I pray that you bring increase in their businesses, increase in their finances, and everything that they put their hand to touch as they honor you, as they seek to further their kingdom, the, your kingdom, God. I pray that you would pour a blessing upon them, that they would not have room to receive. And I pray that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus so that we can win this city and the nations for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. Praise the Lord. Please come forward as you give this morning. Come on, how many are ready for an epic baby dedication? Make some noise. Amen. Let's get the slide up there, please. We've got so many awesome baby dedications to do today, uh, mine included. And so what I just want to do is ask for your patience and I uh, want to thank all the family for coming, those who are here visiting. And then just be patient with us because we have one, two, three, four, five, six baby dedications. Let's give it up for making babies. There ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. As long as you're married, there ain't nothing wrong. Okay, so once you get married, look at your neighbor and say, there ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of bump and grind. But you better be married. You better be married. Okay, let's take some time and honor. I'm going to do it one at a time, pray for them. Um, 
and then speak some words. But let me just give you the reason why we dedicate all of our babies, okay, so they don't have to stand up here with their babies. Let me just ask you to turn with me quickly in your Bibles to Matthew, Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. The reason why we're dedicating Micah, Alexis, Isaac, Zoe, Benjamin, and Elijah today is because of this verse found in the Bible, Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Jesus is doing some pretty awesome things. Miracles are happening, and everybody just wants to be around them. And, of course, when everything is exciting, where do the children want to be? They want to be right where it's the exciting stuff's at. Well, here's the problem we see in the Bible is the disciples think that Jesus is too busy for the niños and niñas. He thinks he's, they, they, they think he's too busy. They're like, no, Jesus, uh, no, no parents, don't let your children come to Jesus. He's too busy. No, little boys and girls, don't go to Jesus. He's too busy. And look what Jesus does here. Look at how he responds to this. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. Everybody say, pray for them. But the dis- thank you, but the disciples rebuked them. He re- the disciples rebuked these parents. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven, what? Belongs to such as these. Where's my little in? Where's my little in right now? Where's this little Zoe, the one I'm dedicating? Let me use her as an illustration if I might. Amen. I don't want her to get special attention or anything, okay? I'm just. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So this is an example. (laughs) I'm not trying to, like, give my one special attention, but it seemed to turn out that way, didn't it? But I just want to say this. God has time for our children. God is not too busy for our children. He always has time for them. So parents, we should make time for them. Amen? If Jesus made time, oops, did I poke you in the face? If Jesus made time to place his hands on them and pray for them, we should make time to do devotions with them. Hello, parents and grandparents. You guys ever eat food? How many people here eat food? Raise your hand. Everybody here eat food? How about we pray before we eat food and teach our children to pray? How many people sleep at night? How many go to bed? How about we pray with our children before we go to bed? How many people get up in the morning? Y'all being shocked because you know I'm setting you up right now. How about we pray for them? Nancy, would you come, please, and help me with baby Zoe? Everybody say, I will place my children in God's hands. Psalms, quickly turn with me. Psalms chapter 127. Psalms 127. Jesus made time for children. We should make time for children. Oh, we're so busy eating. No, make time to pray. Oh, we're so tired. Make time to pray before you go to bed. Oh, we're so busy before we go through the day. Make time to pray. If you pray those three times, morning, dinner, and night, guess what's going to happen as you pray? Conversations are going to happen. You're going to begin to communicate with your children, and as they get older, they'll know that those prayer times are a safe time. Can I get an amen from somebody here? Unless y'all just wanted me to get your baby over some holy water and just dip them in it and baptize them. Do you want some lessons on how to raise kids and be blessed or you just want me to be religious? Come on. Do you want me just to be religious? Let's get a naked baby and put some water on them. Okay, let's do it. Why are we doing it? Well, they need to get baptized. Who said it? I don't know, but we're going to do it. Tell me one place in the Bible where they baptized a baby. Show me one place, and I'll do it today, right? I'll baptize all y'all with the water hose. I'll make it rain up in this place. 
I can't show you one place in the Bible they baptized a baby. I can show you where they baptized people like you and I, adults, or thinking young people that said, I want to confess my sins, but never a little baby. Why? Because he said it already belongs to them. And that's why we place our hands on them. So parents, place your hands on them too and bless them. Amen. I got an amen witness right over here. Who's preaching at me right there? There's Micah. Come on. Psalms 127, verse 3 through 5. Listen to this. Children, somebody say children, not dogs and pets. Hello, people in Chicago, not dogs and pets. Everybody's like, oh, I got babies. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they say, oh, here's my baby, Chihuahua. No, no, no. Let me show you the difference, okay? I will eat your baby. I will eat. If I was hungry enough, that would be the first thing going on the grill. You make that thing look all cute and pretty, that's the first thing to go. Hello, let's get this in our mind today, friends. There's animals and then there's people. But I guess if you've been to school for so long and they tell you evolution came from the goo, some molecules in water, the goo, through the zoo, from a lizard to an ape-like ancestor to you. So if you believe from the goo to the zoo to you, yeah, you might call that dog your relative then, your daughter or your son. But that ain't my daughter or son, amen? Now, if you have a dog or a cat, God bless you. Take, treat them nice, amen? Don't, the Bible says even the righteous are kind to their animals, so be good to your animals. Let's see who's got the most unique animal in here. Anybody got a goat? Anybody got, anybody got a, a llama? How many got dogs? Raise your hand. How many got cats? Raise your hand. How many know if it was like walking dead, those would be the first thing to go? We would start eating them. That's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen. Some people call it a delicacy. Some people call it a delicacy. That's another discussion. Everybody say, children are a heritage from the Lord. Amen. And now that I got your attention, let me just tell you about the mass murder of our children in this generation. Over a million a year dying in abortion clinics. Why? Because people want to have sex, and then they don't want to do what comes next. Listen to me, young people. These are all young people right here. Young people, listen to me. If you want to have sex, you better do what's next, which is raise your babies and children. Amen? And if you can't get married, don't have sex because you don't want to raise children without a marriage. Amen? Look at all these young men. How many believe they need to hear that today? Amen? Amen? Lock it up. Don't let it out. And ladies, don't you settle for less. I don't care if they're sitting on this front row and they tell you how much they love you and they tell you what they're going to do for you and they tell you how special you are and they just say, oh, we're going to get married sooner or later. They talk to you like that. I, I, I'll tell you what you do for them. Just tell them to close their eyes and you've got a secret surprise for them. It's going to be real romantic. As they close their eyes, you take off your shoe and back up real good, psh, slap them across their face and say, get back, Jack. And don't you come back until you got a one of these. Because you gets none, son. Hello. So we got this problem in the culture today where people want to have sex but not do what's next. And it's not that it just doesn't hurt anybody. One million children die in abortion clinics. If that's not a child inside of the womb, what is it? Is that alien life? Is that plant life? We've got nurses and doctors here. Take the DNA test, ma'am, sir. Tell me what it is. It's called a human being, and it deserves the right to life. You can do whatever you want with your body. You can't do whatever you want with somebody else's body. Amen? 
So that's somebody else's body. That's why when you go there to kill it, it dies, goes into the garbage, and you walk out to have sex and do it all over again because the average person having abortion today is having one or two. One's not good enough. That's not what we're here to believe in this church, amen. Children are a heritage, a blessing from the Lord, a offspring, a reward from him. So we love children in this place, amen. More, by, man, we'll have them by the pound, by the dozen. We just won't keep making babies. Now, if you want to do birth control, that's fine. If you want to do that, that's fine. Just do not kill what God conceives as life, amen. So we believe for every child here, and I thank you, uh, every parent that's dedicating your baby today that filled up the house with some visitors so I could get my preach on. Thank you. Let's give yourself a hand clap for letting me preach to you today. Because I ain't Father Tom, and we're not baptizing no child here today. Amen? I am Joe, your friendly neighborhood preacher who keeps it tight and it's right. Amen? You could say, oh, my, or oh, me, but it's coming either way. You might as well just say amen. Oh, my, he said that. Oh, me, or just say amen. You'll get it sooner or later. Then you put up the nice thing, baby dedication. We're done with the scriptures now. I don't think this, I don't think I was done reading. Can we put it back up there? Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Are you guys about tired of 40 and 50-year-olds waiting to have babies? It's like, what has our culture become? We've lost the identity of being a parent. Now, it's okay if you want to have your own career, Mom. That's great. But don't wait till you're 40 to start having kids and say, I'm just putting my career first. Shame on you. Give your best youth and the strength of your life to your children. Don't be walking down their high school graduation with a cane. And gentlemen, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stop lifting weights. You know, it's not time to be a parent. You don't think this is true? I heard this in the gym. A guy told me I didn't want to have any more kids so I could have a sports car. I wish I could have a big King James Bible on me there just to give him the spirit of slap with it to help him put his priorities straight. But that's America for you. There you go. Let's just have a good body, ladies, till you're 40 years old and you got a career and you did all this and boop, just pop out one baby so you can go back to looking like Cosmo magazine. Let me just tell you, ladies, all this and that, that was for babies. What do you think these are? Do you think these are like a commodity? These produce milk for children. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. We should be okay with that. Amen. Now, women, be free to do whatever you want in life, but don't blame me when your children come to me and they say, my dad's 60 years old and he doesn't understand my life. No, I want to be strong with my kids. I still want to be able to beat them up, amen, all the way through college. I want to be able to just wrestle them down. Lucas, you ain't nothing, boy. Boom. Who is your daddy? I don't want to be like, Oh, Lucas, you just, no, no, Lucas, don't hurt me, Lucas. I'm 80 years old. I had to be hip and cool so I could have you when I was 60. Man, I'm just, I'm just fed up with this generation and how we treat children. You know, I go to a restaurant with four kids. They act like I walked in with the bubonic plague. Oh, my gosh, look at him. Look at those four kids. What's wrong with them? Oh, my gosh, look at them. You hear about these restaurants saying that you can't have kids in there. Don't ever go to a restaurant like that then. 
I mean, shame on us as a culture. We forgot what it was all about. And then we wonder why our children are out raising themselves and why we have all these problems. Somebody doesn't wake up with a gun in their hand, people, and start killing others. That's a mentality that they got from lack of parenting, lack of mom and dad in the home, lack of interest from a community, lack of interest of a church, and they just started acting their own crazy self without any accountability. It's time for us to be a community that raises our family, loves children coming over to our homes and houses and adopting neighborhood kids, and make a community church where we love children again. Amen? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Rachel, oh, no, we're going to be dedicating your baby. Vinny, can you get on the keyboard, please, because I feel an altar call coming. Children are heritage heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are children born in one's youth. Now, let me just pause and say this. If you can't get married when you're young, okay, just be good when you're young for Jesus. Because I couldn't get married until I was 28, all right? I was pretty tore up from the floor up. Jesus, I got saved at 18, married at 28. Jesus was like, you need 10 years, okay, before you're ready for somebody. So I don't want to make old single people feel bad. Just maybe God's working on you. You're single for a reason or for a season. Y'all know that. Date like a Christian in the back will help you out. Okay. Blessed is the man or woman whose quiver is full of them. Full of them. Now, once again, you want to have one baby, that's up to you. But I just want to encourage families here. Be full of children. Well, I won't be able to live in this house anymore if I can't have. Well, who cares? I'm so tired of us wanting bigger, bigger, bigger. Look at what our grandparents grew up in with 10 kids. They turned out better, didn't they? Because I'll tell you what, it's not a big bedroom and lots of clothes that make kids happy. Take my house from me. I'm still going to have a half a dozen kids. I don't care. Why? Because it's all about having family. We keep thinking like, oh, I'm doing the best thing for them because I can't provide. You know, we get this lie of what provision is. Let me just talk to all the parents. Do I got any hardworking parents here? Can I just set you free and give you some idea about providing? Providing is not name brand. Providing is not things with Xbox and PlayStation. Providing doesn't have to be this. If you give them food, a warm place to sleep at night and clothes, you have provided for them. If you can do more for them, that's awesome. But don't put a bondage on yourself where I don't want to have more kids because I can't provide for them. Let God use you to bless people, children with a home. And if you don't want to give birth to any more babies or mothers, adopt children. Praise God. Quiver full of them. We're going to give the Catholics a run for their money. Remember the Catholics used to have a lot of kids? Y'all remember that? Some of you don't. My next door neighbors had a lot of kids. I'm going to give them a run for their money. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the courts. So why do we have six babies getting dedicated today? Because of preaching like this. Get married young. Live holy. Okay? Get Lady Gaga out your mind, city uh, young ladies. Get married young. Raise your family young. Be strong and have lots of kids. And you want to do that with a career? Go ahead. Amen? That's fine. Have a career. Do, do all that you can do. But make your greatest achievement in life being a parent. Amen? Praise God. Two of you got it. Two of you got it. I got you here to 12 either way, so I'm preaching one way or the other. Amen? Let's give it up for Elijah, Elijah, Daniel Garcia as he comes with his mother, Siomata. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've already messed it up. Elijah, Daniel Garcia with Diana, Diana and Juan Garcia. Come on up. We're going to pray for you guys individually. Oh, man. Leave it to Metro Praise to preach at a baby dedication. Why don't you stand on this side, good sir?
morning. I'm going to need you to go all the way to that end because we're going to have a bunch joining in. Look at this, little God. Can I get to pray for you? Can I bless the congregation? Let's close our eyes and bless them. Lord, we ask you to bless Elijah right now. May he grow up to be a mighty man of God to always serve you and love you. May he fulfill all the purposes and dreams that you have for him, God. Pray that you will bless Diana, his mother, Lord. Provide for her to be a mother and a caretaker. And Lord, use her, Lord, to do all that you've called her to do. And I pray that you bless Juan. And that, Lord, he will be the man of God that you've given him the call to be. He wants to preach and teach your word. Lord, I pray that he'll do that and set an example for his family, Lord, even as he's in Bible college. And we just thank you for this precious family and their firstborn. In Jesus' name, amen. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Let's call up Benjamin Edwin Rivera. Let's give it up as they come. Did I pronounce that right, Edwin? Oh, look at him. In his little vest. You guys should have came matching. You should have a little vest and a little tie on like that. <laughs> oh, we just love him so much. Can we pray for him? Father, we thank you today for Benjamin. We pray that you bless him, that you encourage him, you strengthen him, and keep him healthy all the days of his life. Let him continue to grow strong and healthy, Lord. God, I thank you today for Ricky and Rachel, Lord. They're great parents already raising, Lord, another child. But now, Lord, they've added to their quiver, Father. And I pray that you continue to bless them and their extended family that's here today, grandparents and aunts and uncles. Continue to use the Rivera family to be a testimony for your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen, amen. Let's give it up for Zoe Faith. I'm going to ask that during this time, Ishmael Lopez would come and pray for me and my precious family. Oh, we got them all coming up. Where's Hannah? Let's give it up for the man of God of faith and power for the hour. Let us just stretch our hands towards this beautiful family. <laughs> Heavenly Father, what a beautiful life. What a beautiful Zoe. God, I thank you for her, Lord. Uh, you've created her perfect, Lord. And I, we just uh, ask that her future would be blessed, that everything that she does would be blessed. God, bless her in Jesus' name. I pray for the beautiful family, the Oirasic family, God. Give them the strength to raise these children, God. Give them the wisdom, the power, the ability, Lord, that all of their, that all of their days, Lord, God, will be marked by joy, by love, and by your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll hold this for us. Okay, let's give it up for Isaac Christian Walker with Susie and Pastor Jared. Here they come. And Jeremiah in hand as well. Oh, Father God, we thank you today for Isaac. Lord, bless him. May he grow up strong to be a mighty man of God. May he always know and love you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Susie and Jared, Lord. I ask that you would give them your grace, God, your strength and your financial provision. Thank you for all their family that's here today. May both these young men grow up to be mighty men of God, like those arrows in their hands, in your hands, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Come on, let's give it up for Alexis. Ve 
up Vasquez. All right, you can come stand there. He's a big boy. You want to testify? Do you love Jesus? Yes. I'm going to show you. Yes, I'm going to show you the special handshake. Do you know the Holy Ghost handshake? Father, Son, go like this, and go like this. Watch this. Holy Ghost. That's what I'm talking about. You guys bring that to your schools, all right? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Y'all want to try that with your neighbor right now? Just try it. Come on, come on, come on, just try it, try it. You know you want to try it. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen. Can I pray for you? Amen. Father, I ask you to bless Alexis, Lord. Let him grow up to be a strong, mighty man of God, Lord. Let him be an example to his friends, his family, everywhere he goes. Give him good health and prosperity. I thank you for his mother today. God bless you, Yomata. May she love you all the days of her life, setting forth that example that you called her to be. And, Lord, we pray that in her future, God, as she goes to school, she will accomplish all these new goals that you've given her, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. You're going to college, right? Excited. Awesome. Love it. All right, let's give it up for Micah Emmanuel Sysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysysys
Father, thank you for every one of them. We thank you, God, that you blessed them with life, that you've brought these children into the world. And I pray that every family member up here will raise them right in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And all the extended family that came to celebrate will, will come alongside and do their part as grandparents and aunts and uncles. And this community of families will change Chicago one life at a time. That there, there will be a testimony because of what you do in these lives of the families up here. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Would you come and just shake their hands? Kind of just put a little music on and just come and shake their hands if you could, please. Thank you. There we go. There it is. That's what I'm talking about. I had a vision of this. I don't know if it was just I ate too much uh, nachos or what. Thank you. 
right. Would you begin to bachato your way back to your seats? If you didn't get a chance to greet someone, you can at the end of service. May you bochata your way back to your seats now. Praise the Lord. God is so good. There it is. All right, open up your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 48, verse 1, please. All right. Everybody say our great goal. Amen. We have been in a series about our great God, and now we are talking about our great goal. Our great goal is what we focus on in this church to be our goal. And our goal is not just to make babies, though making babies are fun. Can I hear an amen for that? Our goal is here is to make disciples. And I want to talk to you about that today. Here's been the whole series, uh, the scripture we've been going over the whole series, Psalms 48. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Okay, let's look at it. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Thank you. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zephon in Mount, is Mount Zion, the city of the what? The great king. Thank you. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your what? Unfailing love. Somebody say it's all about love. Thank you. Like your name, O God, your praise. What reaches to the ends of the earth? Your praise. Everybody say praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. So we talked about from this chapter of uh, Psalms how we get our name, how we get our vision, and how we get our strategy. First, when you look for our name, you see great is the Lord, most worthy of praise in the city of our God. Metro means what? What is that short for? City, like metropolitan city. And it says city of praise. So there should be a place called, uh, there's going to be one day a city of praise. And so here on earth we're representing that. But if you look here towards the end, where does that city of praise go to? To where? The ends of the, so it's Metro Praise International. You guys are good. Come on. So we talked about that the first week about how we have a great name representing the new Jerusalem. The Israelites lived in an actual place called Jerusalem, yet they believed that one day there would be a city even greater than that. They nicknamed it Mount Zion, and in that place, God would dwell with his people. So right now, the name of our church, Metro Praise International, represents that city. Now, do you have to be a part of Metro Praise to get into the New Jerusalem coming to earth from heaven? No, you don't. All you have to do is be born again. But this is why we have the name that we have. There's a lot of great names out there, but this is the reason why we have ours. We are representing as the church God's chosen people and being the city of praise for the nations. And you know what's so awesome is that in America, we are in a time like never before, we can reach the nations from a city like Chicago. We have over 30 different nations represented just in a congregation like this, not to mention all the mission work that we do in the trip that we're planning this summer to the Philippines. We already raised the $20,000 for that. Isn't that awesome? Going to the nations. Thank you. God is so good. We then talked about our great vision. You know, the Bible says in this temple, you will uh, focus, the temple, uh, the city has a temple, and in that temple, you will focus on God's unfailing love. Does God's love ever fail? 
No, man's love may fail. People may let you down. But God's love will never fail. And then Jesus walked the earth, and then he told us what are the two greatest commandments. He said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. So the vision of love that we are supposed to have in this city of praise, in this church, is loving God and loving people. How many think that's a good idea? Representing back to the psalm that we just read, that in this city we will meditate on your unfailing love. So in the city of praise across the nations, people are meditating on that unfailing love. And of course, they're supposed to do more than just meditate on it, they're to go out and share it. Two ways that we can love God. Number one, obeying his commands. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will what? Obey me. So the first way we can love God is by obeying his commandments. Another way is by worshiping him, by doing like how we did with our songs up here, by clapping and singing unto him. But not only is worship a song or something we do like in this setting, it's something that we can do in our life by doing all things unto him. When you go to work tomorrow and you do what you do unto God, that's worship. Come on, get that in your spirit. If you're working a job and, and you get discouraged, you need to remind yourself, when I do my job well, it is worship unto God. Because he created you for a purpose. He said, be fruitful and multiply, number one. And number two, subdue the earth. So God, family, and job. And job is very important, so don't discount it. Don't just say, well, I'm here doing all this other stuff and that I don't care about. I can't wait to get to home or get to the weekend. No, do your job as unto the Lord, and it will be worship. Amen? We love God by obeying him and worshiping him. Number two, we love people by helping them in their time of need. How many know we need some good Samaritans in our city? That's what the Bible gave us that story for, is to set that example. And then number two, we love people by preaching to them. Do you guys understand the greatest gift I could ever give you is the gospel? Maybe you're in need today, and I gave you a million dollars. But let's say you spent that million dollars, and you died and went to hell. What would you have rather had, the million dollars or the gospel? Now, you may say, Pastor, I want to have both. Well, that's why we got both. Jesus taught us both. But one is preeminent. One comes first, the gospel. So I just don't want to do social justice and social work. I want to preach the gospel as I feed and help the needy and do those different things. And I still believe that the greatest answer to poverty, education, violence, corruption, and politics is that Bible that they swear on before they get into office. I still believe we need God to bless America, not trusting in the dollar bill, but trusting in the God who creates wealth for us to use. Amen? Everybody saying, God, we trust. So I believe in that. So summarizing this, our name is Metro Praise International, being a house of praise for the nations, representing what New Jerusalem will be when God comes to earth. Number two, our vision is focusing on that unfailing love, which is loving God and people. And then number three, everybody say, strategy. We have a strategy to fulfill the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20, that through 20 we should make disciples. Would you turn there quickly with me? Matthew chapter 28, because this will set us up for today's message. Jesus gave us the great commission, which is our mission. This is our duty as Christians, the great commission. How many want to be obedient to Jesus? Sometimes people tell me, well, I don't lie, I don't steal. Well, that's good you're not a mass murderer or getting arrested today for corruption on your job, but you need to do more than that. In obedience to Christ, you need to follow his command to be a disciple that makes disciples. Look at this starting in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make 
Come on, one more time. Therefore, go and make of how many nations? All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So according to this, who do we baptize, children or disciples? We, we, decide, we be baptized disciples. Now, if a child, five, six years old, can understand what it means to be a disciple, we'll baptize them. Until then, they're under the grace of God, under the age of accountability, and God says the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Amen? This is the promise we have here, though, is that we're to go out, make disciples, baptize them, and then we are to teach them to obey how many things? Come on, somebody say everything. See, I'm to teach you everything here at church so you can go and teach everything out there on your job and with your coworkers. So if you say, Pastor, sometimes, you know, I feel convicted when I come to church. Sometimes you tell me I'm doing something wrong. That's actually good because you need to get your life right so that you can go out there and teach others. How many are tired of hypocrites in the church? Amen. There's a difference between a hypocrite and someone who makes mistakes. You know what the difference is? Confession, repentance, honesty. If I come to you today and I say I sinned last week, is that such a big deal if I say, oh, I lost my temper with my wife and I had to repent and apologize? No, you're like, Pastor, we understand that. But let's say I denied that and I kept abusing my wife and it got worse and worse and worse and I told her, don't tell anybody because as a pastor, pastor, i got to keep up appearances. You would now call me a hypocrite, wouldn't you? See, what's the difference between the person who makes mistakes and the hypocrite? It's the hypocrite, hides it, denies it, and lives in it and makes excuses for it. But the one who makes mistakes and is a disciple repents of it, turns from it, changes from it, and lives a new life. Amen? How many are happy you don't have to live your old life? Do you still want to have stinking thinking, or do you want to have the mind of Christ? Do you want to live busted and disgusted, addicted to sin, or do you want to live the free life? It's your choice, amen. The Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. Watch it again. He said, go. He said, all authority is mine. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And look at the promise right here. He says, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Who is Jesus always with? Disciples. That's the promise he makes. Now, it is true that the omnipresence of God, that means God is all present, is everywhere. He's in jail cells. He's in North Korea. He's where everybody uh, is today. God cannot not be somewhere. He's wherever somewhere is. Are you listening? But he is only in close relationship speaking to those who have him in their heart, i.e. disciples. Can I get amen for that? So going back to our review, everybody look at your neighbor and go, this is just the introduction. It's just review, dude. We got a great city, our church, a place to gather and build community. We've got a great vision. Jesus taught us to love God and love people. And we've got a great commission to go make disciples. And how are we going to do that? Through Connect, Mentor, Send. Connecting you to the church, discipling you with our books and our leaders, and sending you out to do it again for Jesus. Now, if you've ever seen this here, you understand what I'm talking about. Has anybody ever seen this when you come to church? Something like this? Our vision is loving God and people, discipleship strategies, connect, mentor, send. And how about the goal? Have you ever seen that? If you've ever been to a service where you didn't see this, you showed up at the wrong place. Ever since I started this church, there's not been a service that has gone by where this has never been on the board. This is why we are here. Now, not to judge other churches because I know we have visitors here, but I just want to ask you a very simple question. Have you even been to other churches that told you what they were about as much as we have? So do you have any excuse to say, well, I don't know what that church is about? Or, uh, oh, that pastor makes me laugh. That's funny. That's why I go there. And then if somebody goes, well, are you a disciple? And you go, no, he just makes me laugh. Are you doing what we've asked you to do? 
It's like, how many more times can I tell you? This is what we're about. And if somebody says to me, well, I don't want to be a disciple. I just want to sit on the pews. Well, you need to find another church to do that at, son, or ma'am, you know. And here, I'll give you ten brochures of churches who don't care what you do on the pews, too. You can go in, slip in, slip out. Nobody will know your name. Nobody will ask you where you've been. Nobody will talk to you about discipleship. You know why? Because they don't care. It's the truth, friends. A lot of people don't care about you today. They'll take your money, though, won't they? They'll take your money. Churches will bring you to their concerts. You ever been to Christian concerts? $15 at the door, they'll put you right in a seat. You ever bought a Christian book? They'll sell you books. They'll give you concerts. They'll invite you to their churches. But I'm telling you, there are few churches in our city today that someone will stand up like I am here with a room full of disciples. All elders and deacons, please stand up. There's very few churches here today that will say these people are guaranteed disciple makers. If you don't have a vision yet for this, get a vision and find one of them to disciple you one-on-one. That is our personal guarantee. Can I hear an amen? You may be seated, elders and deacons. It's like don't get mad at me because the church is backslidden. How many know we have a problem in the church today? And I'll be the first pastor to talk about Don't think I'm going to shuck and jive and lie to you. And the problem starts with the pastors. They don't care. I've sat down with pastors. They say, you know what, it would be good to be a pastor if it wasn't for all the people because these people get on my nerves. I've heard pastors say that. Jesus said he loved the people. I know how hard it is to get a hold of pastors. I am one. But if you're that busy pastor, get an assistant, get a third assistant, get a fourth assistant. You're not too busy to have people in your church make disciples. shouldn't have a church of 500 or 1,000 waiting to get a hold of one man to speak to them. Hello? You want to get a hold of me? Sorry, ma'am or sir. I've got 10 others you need to talk to. Why? Because I made disciples that made disciples. If you didn't like that, you should have joined my home Bible study, and I would have made you a disciple. But now we are a church that makes disciples, that makes disciples. I'm involved in three discipleship meetings a week, one here with the leadership, another one with the SUMs, and another one with the pastors. Three times a week I'm making disciples all for one reason, ladies and gentlemen, that when you come to this church, somebody will make you a disciple. Now that's our business, and I want to ask you a question. Is our business good? Making disciples is our business, and is business good? Look at Psalms chapter 2, verse 8. Somebody say, here comes the message. This is what I came to preach to you about. Jesus said through uh, this the prophet David in the Old Testament, he said, ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Everybody say, ask of Jesus for the nations. Rather, this is the Father speaking to Jesus, but it means the same thing, that we are to come to Jesus and ask him for the nations as the inheritance that he deserves. The Bible says, God so loved the, that he gave his only begotten son. So who should we pray that get, who should we pray get saved? The whole world. How many nations do you want to see get saved? You want to see America get saved? Could you imagine the violence going down in our streets? Could you imagine the abortion going down? Could you imagine the marriage divorce rate going down? Could you imagine homosexuality and marriage and that going down and God's giving them their purpose of why he gave them the sexual anatomy that they have? How many would like to see education value the things of God again instead of secular humanism? How many would like to see corruption leave our politics and godliness be raised up again? You know what Thanksgiving was dedicated for? Thankfulness unto God. Ask Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. Look back at their writings and see why we even had a day of Thanksgiving. It wasn't to get fat on turkeys. It was to pray and be thankful for this nation and to ask God to spare us from our own sin and to live righteous. 
That's what we need to do is ask God for the nations. On the count of three, I want you to think of a nation that you want to see saved and shout it out on the count of three. One, two, three. Columbia. Come on, I want to see nations saved. Let me go through this quickly. When you look at our church, we have a goal. We're not just here playing uh, tiddlywinks. We're not just here just wasting your time. We have a name. We have a vision. We have a strategy. And we have a goal. Our goal is to make 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 campuses and plant 500 churches around the world. Now, if you notice, that's 100,000. There's a city of 9 million, greater Chicagoland. I just looked it up to check my numbers. We're one church. There's a lot of great churches in the city. They can take care of the 8.9 million left. Amen? So if you're here from another church, we ain't taking all the people, okay? There's 8.9 million left. Go get you some. Amen? Just the Lord Jesus told us we're going to get 100,000. And we're going to plant 50 campuses and 500 around the world. Now, if you have a goal, you've got to have means to reach that goal. Have you ever heard the word means? I don't have the means to do that, or these are my means to do this and that. Have you ever heard somebody say that, don't use me as your means to an end, or this shouldn't just be your means to an end? Sometimes we have things in the wrong place, and we need to rearrange our life. Let me give you an example. Jesus is not a mean to your happiness. I'm going to say that again. Means is a system that brings about a goal. Jesus is not a means to your happiness. If you're coming to church because you want Jesus to make you happy, you want Jesus to bless your family, you have come for the wrong reasons. Jesus is not the means. Jesus is the goal. I am not asking Jesus to just make me happy. I'm asking Jesus to be my happiness. I'm not asking Jesus just to bless me with more toys. I'm asking Jesus to be the joy of my heart. I'm not just asking Jesus to do more things. I'm asking Jesus to put his image inside of me so I can be his son or daughter. Jesus is not my means to an end. Jesus is the end. He's the goal. Amen. That will help you out to understand the word means. Discipleship is a means to our goal, which means one day you will not be doing discipleship. You know why? Because Jesus will be on the earth, and he'll be the only disciple maker. But right now we need to use the means of discipleship while he's in heaven interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. So our means to get 100,000, 50 campuses, 500 churches is brought about by our method of accomplishing the goal of discipleship through Connect, Mentor, Send. I want to show you this video right here that will get you excited about discipleship. How many want to do discipleship? Amen. Would you turn up the volume as you guys hear this awesome video? Thank you.
Come on, how many believe this should be church? Amen. You want to know what 100,000 disciples looks like? I'm going to go through three parts of our goal. 100,000 disciples in Chicago, 50 churches here, 500 around the world. Anybody ever hear Billy Graham? Billy Graham came to Soldier Stadium in 1962. 116,000 people came to hear him preach. I want to see 100,000 disciples in this city. God can do it. That's what it looks like. Could God do it again? And this time with disciples. I'm not talking about bringing everybody from another church together and say, let's all get together for a holy huddle. Here we are. We're all Christians. Rah, rah, rah. Shits, kumba. No, I'm talking about today. Run it up there quickly, Ellie. We have listed in this church 127 disciples. I want to see listed that day 100,000 disciples involved in the program of discipleship from Metro Praise International Church. Amen. How many want to see that happen? The papers are in the back, please. No, no, no. I need the paper. I want the paper in front of me. Give me a board here quickly. I want to show you guys this today because there's 127 of you in this church of around 200 that have dedicated to discipleship. You minus our 40 children, that's around 150 youth and adults. 127 of you have dedicated to discipleship. That is over 80% of our church is involved in discipleship. Can I get an amen for that? That means eight out of ten people in this room right now are involved in our discipleship. I want to show you something very quickly as we're doing this. 127 of you have said, I want to either do the 101 or the 201, or you have graduated and you're an elder and deacon right now able to do that with others. Can you quickly get me the, uh, the markers? I want to show you guys this. Today in our church, we have a goal of how many disciples? How many do we want to see come? 100,000. If you can't see the board, it's okay. I'll tell you what I'm writing. 127 disciples right now. If I want to make that 127,000, what do I need to add to that? How many zeros? Three zeros. How are we going to reach 100,000? Get a bunch of zeros, bring them to the hero of Jesus Christ. That's how you do it. It's no different than what we've been doing. We find the zeros and bring them to the hero. Listen to me. You're nothing without Jesus. You're nothing. We tell people that they will perish one day unless they come to Christ, not just so they feel threatened, but so they'll understand their life is but a, a breath. If you think your family's so special, tell me your great-great-grandparents' name without looking at one of those family trees. You can't even remember them. So don't even tell me how important family is. You'll be forgotten in three to four generations. Should the Lord tarry, these children we've had here dedicated, including Zoe, will be forgotten a hundred years from now. No one will even know that she lived. Do you know who used to live on this block? Do you know the names of the people here? Do you know the biggest, wealthiest people of two, three hundred, five hundred, six hundred years ago? They're all forgotten, my friends. All of us are zero and empty without Jesus Christ. We need the hero. We have 127 now. We want 100,000 out of a city of 9 million. We're going to bring zeros to the hero of Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to do it. You want to know what 50 campuses looks like? I want to show you real quick. Take, for example, right now, you're in a place that can hold roughly 200 people. There's over 150 chairs able to fit in here, and we can fit 50 children in the back. We're here at Diversity and Long. Think of like a bullseye, those who can't see me. We want to start spreading out from here to there. Next campus, maybe Fullerton and Cicero. Next campus, North and Pulaski. Next campus, Western and Division or Western and Lawrence. And keep spreading out. We want to start from here and keep growing mid-sized campuses like the one you're in, 150 to 200 people until we reach 50. We want to reach 50. We want to plant churches like they plant Walgreens and McDonald's. 
We want to do it for Jesus. Amen. When we reach 50 campuses and we have roughly 150 people and they're healthy, we want to grow our 50 campuses to seat 2,000 people because we'll need 2,000 in each of our 50 campuses to reach 100,000. Each one of our campuses will look something like this, and this is Elliot Schwartz's drawing. Let's give it up for Elliot. Amen. Just in case you thought that vision was just something we threw up there, this vision, this, Elliot, you did this how many years ago? Five years ago? Seven or eight years ago, we have not changed, my friends. This is our vision. If you look at this sanctuary right here, I wouldn't prefer one 2,000-seat sanctuary. I would prefer 10 200-seat sanctuaries. So think about walking into a movie theater, 10 different ones to choose from, 10 different times, 10 different languages or whatever. Picture movie theaters, sanctuaries no bigger than this, but they can fit 2,000. They each have 200 seats, and there's 10 of them. How many is that? 2000. Now imagine this, my friends. Imagine if we had a grade school and a high school and worked with the city and had charter schools in every one of our campuses. Imagine if we did the uh, uh, social work of if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat, and we began to teach people how to work and have jobs. Could we help some people? 10% of our congregation is called to ministry. Out of the 150 adults, not including our children, we have 15 full-time SUM students having a Bible college there as well. And how many would like to see YMCA be free again for the community so there's a gym and a bowling alley? It's FR. E.E. Free. Now let me tell some of you here today, there are churches that could do this right now. It's not their vision, and I don't know why, but this is our vision. I grow up, I, I grew up in the suburbs, and I live in the suburbs, and there are churches in the suburbs that are that big, and you can hardly find something that's F-R-E-E free. Listen to me. We're going to give away what God gives to us. You understand that this church is built on tithes and offerings, no a lot of its fundraisers, no, no pumpkin pie sales, no spaghetti dinners. Buy your tithe. We will build that, and we'll give it away. Imagine if we said to the community, here's a lifetime fitness we built in there. We can give away 2,000 memberships. The first families to sign up, get it for FRE free. Imagine if we said we could host 200 people for bowling night and food night free. Sign up, get organized, and give it away. We'll give away homes and houses to those who work and want to eat. Do you think it's our job to teach the church? Uh, to church to teach the community about social work or you think it's the community's job to teach us it's our job to teach them let's show the world again how christians do community work but it starts right here it starts with our second service in a few months at easter and then we're going to build other campuses can i hear an amen now you might say pastor you have no idea what how much that will cost yes i do I already have it spent on paper i'm ready for i'm ready for the saudi prince right now to give their tithe you know he just passed away right I'm ready for a Saudi prince to give his tithe. He may say, Pastor, I'm worth $2 billion. Okay, it's time to tithe, Bubba. What's a tithe off $2 billion? $200 million. Drop it like it's hot, Saudi prince. It belongs to Jesus. He might say, well, I don't know how to give a $200 million tithe. Well, you write out the check just like the person who does a $5 tithe. You put it in the offering. $100 million for 100000 I've already figured out on paper, around $2 million to build these campuses, and we'll believe God for the budget to be met in the people. $2 million, 50 campuses, $100 million. Now, you may say to yourself, Pastor, you're just all about the money. You're just all about this. You just want to be large and in charge. Look at you, tricking us, coming here on the baby dedication. By the way, I had no idea this was going to be the same day. Put up the Cubs yearly budget for me, all the sassy people here. Talking about a church having all that money. Church going to do this and church going to do that. How much did I say it would cost me to put 50 churches in this city built like this to hold 2,000 people with free gyms, working with charter schools? How much did I say it would cost per campus? $2 million. Show me the annual Cubs 
budget of a losing team. Let's see what Chicagoans gave to a losing team this year. $274 million. There it goes. All y'all getting mad about them players getting paid what they get paid? That's your money. It went. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, we love Chicago. We let them get transferred to another team and tell you how much they love Chicago then. Oh, that's my team. That was my grandpa's team. Oh, go there with your grandpa then see if they let you in for free. Just one time. Just one time. See if they let you in for free. That's your team, right? That's your team. They should let you in for free. Worth a billion dollars, 274 million. Excuse me, owners of Cubs. Let's just cut that in half. Cut that in half. Give that to the church. Let's put 50 campuses here and change the world. And then you and your losing team, we'll put you in the park. And when you all start winning games, then we'll give some of that money back to you. This ain't forever. I, you give me $100 million right now, this vision lasts until Jesus comes back, 50 churches. They made $274 million last year. Now you get sassy with me. Come talk to me afterwards if you don't understand numbers. We have been duped, my friends. You say, well, you have a problem with sports. No, I don't have a problem with sports. Do I look like I can't play sports? Let's wrestle. <laughs> Let's wrestle. Let's do something. You don't think I can do something with sports? Meet me on whatever court you want to be on. Hey, people look at me like I'm some limp-wristed yellow belly. Meet me on the football field. Let's go live ways together. I ain't no yellow belly, but I'm here to tell you you've been duped. You've been duped into believing this is what you need to spend your money on. You've been duped into believing that this is going to change your city, and it won't. That's why when a preacher like me tells you about $100 million, you gasp and don't understand. That's not for everybody. Some people are like, sorry, let's do it, Pastor. But I just want to talk to some of the sassy sallies in here. You've been duped. Stop thinking the way the world thinks. Stop thinking the way Babylon thinks. Stop thinking the way the system of Egypt thinks. You're not in Egypt, friends. You're in the city of God. It's time to change the world. It's time to do something that lasts longer than a guy with a bat hitting a ball. It's something that's important and worth our time. And if you're saying this is not for me, then, then go find a church that's for you then and make room for the one that needs to be here. Because I'm not here to argue with you. you I don't want to do that. Well, go do something else. I got five backslidden friends in this city you can go be backslidden with. There are other good churches. Go do what they're doing. But I guarantee you, you go to any church that loves Jesus, they're going to do something like what we're wanting to do. That's why there's nine million people in this city, and God told us to reach how many? Amen. We're not saying we don't want nine million. Can you please let me do it, sir? What we are saying is we want the 100,000 that God gave us. Somebody say 500 churches around the world. Rachel, would you come, please? The 1040 window represents the largest portion of unreached people group in the world. Today, the American economy spends more on dog food, everybody say dog food, than they do on foreign missions. More on dog food than foreign missions. Where you now see your kids hanging up Spider-Man and Ninja Turtles. hundred years ago, people used to hang up posters or at least the writings of missionaries used to be an honor to be a missionary. You ever heard the saying, Dr. Livingston, I presume? You ever heard that? 
That is the story of a reporter going to visit David Livingston in the jungles of Africa. He was called, David Livingston was called to reach the people in this region. The 1040 window, 10 degrees latitude and 40 degrees latitude, represents 3 billion, billion lost people. 7 billion are on the planet. 3 billion have not even heard the name of Jesus once or have been preached to. That is called an unreached people group. Three billion. Go to joshuaproject.org. The notes have the link. When we say we want to plant 500 churches around the world, this is where we want to go. We're going to the Philippines, which is right below Southeast Asia, right below Malaysia, Singapore, Japan, places like that. And by the way, we're looking into uh, the Philippines being our foreign mission base because the people that we're talking to there are informing us that it's a great, safe, democratic place to launch out into the rest of the world from there. How many have heard of Boko Haram in Nigeria? They need Jesus, don't they? You've been hearing about the problems in Iraq? They need Jesus. China. China has the fastest growing church in the world right now. Over 100 million believers. But China has 1.2 billion citizens. That means there's nine more billion or a billion more to go. So when we put up 500 churches around the world, this is what we're talking about. Here's Reinhard Bonnke in a crusade in Africa with a million people. Would you put up the volume, please? And now lift your hands, please. And now shout your Over a million people in attendance. Lagos, Nigeria. 50 years ago, it was predominantly Muslim and tribal religions. Now, because of missionaries and the gospel work, predominantly Christian, and Boko Haram hates it, and that's why they're killing and murdering and continuing the Islamic slave trade with the Christians that you see here. These are the fields of the harvest that Jesus said to look for. How many want to see this over the nations of the world? How many want to see God do that? I want to ask you before we dismiss and thank you for your patience today. As we started this new year, seeking first God's kingdom and as his righteousness and believing that as we seek him, all the things we need will be added unto us. I want to ask you to join this great city. Metro Praise International, a city of praise for the nations. And I want to ask that you would love God and love people. I want to ask you to commit to a discipleship strategy that we've called connecting to God, learning and mentored about God, and be sent out to share God. And that you would pray with us, not just for a new car this year, not just for a new house, not just to get college education, but you would pray with us this year for 100,000 disciples to be raised up in Chicago. And that 50 churches would be planted here like you see today. And that 500 would go around the world spreading the great name and fame of Jesus Christ.
Before we close out here, this scripture, Jesus was talking to his disciples after the woman at the well had heard the gospel. She was rocked by the love and the power of Jesus. She went to go tell all of her friends. And here they begin to come out to meet Jesus. And he says in John chapter 4, verse 35, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I want you to open your eyes, my friends, and see that Chicago is ripe for harvest. When you go to your job tomorrow, look at the people and see that they are ripe to come meet Jesus. When you look at your family, believe that they are ripe to meet Jesus. When you hear about the news of all the tragedies around the world, believe that they're ripe to receive Jesus. And then all you have to do to simplify it down is to be that disciple that goes and makes disciples. It will never be different than it was today. What I did with the 127, we'll do with the 127,000. What you did here, you'll do there. And the, two, and the 2,000 seat sanctuary, it doesn't matter. Those who go overseas, it doesn't matter. It's not complicated. Are you a disciple? And are you making disciples? That's our vision and goal. And I want to tell you today that you can do it. You can do it. Don't be intimidated. Don't let your past hold you back. Don't let mistakes and failures hold you back. Don't let what other people have said to you hold you back. Make a decision that the people are worth it. That Jesus is worth it. And that we can see change in this city. Amen. Would you stand up with me, please? Can you give Jesus a hand clap for his word today? It's all about his word. Altar workers and band, would you come as we get ready to dismiss? Would you just pray with me as I dismiss today? Lord, you put a burning in my heart to share this today. I pray that what whatever was not of me, whatever was my own personality, my own words, I pray that the people here would forget and overlook. But God, whatever is from your word, whatever is from your heart, I pray that it would burn within us today. Would you just think of three people that you would like to see come to know Jesus? Because isn't that really all that we talked about today? Isn't that really all that the goal is? It's a lot of people, 100,000, but really it's just about every person we know coming to Jesus. Would you pray for three right now that you know? Band, would you sing something softly in the background, please? Just, Lord, be with my neighbor today, Steve and Michelle. May they come to know you. Oh, God, may my sister and brother today know you, be born again and live for you. May John, my friend at the, at the gym, God, may he come to know you, Jesus. It's all about you. Who do you know in your life that needs Jesus? Would you pray for them now? We love you, Jesus. That's why we love others. Fifteen more seconds. Would you pray as if hell is real because it is? And that heaven has the glories of God? Come on, pray as if hell and heaven are real. Because they are. Let us believe today for souls. Let us plunder hell and 
populate heaven? Why do we have such a great goal? Because God has so much love. There's so much love for this world. We pray for them to be saved. Politicians to be saved. Co-workers to be saved. Pastors, religious leaders, be saved. That this world would know Jesus. Now would you pray one last prayer before we dismiss? Would you ask the Lord in private prayer, Lord, what do you want me to do about what I heard today? What do you want me to do about what I heard today? Ask God to speak to you. What does he want you to do? Some of you, God is going to say, join the discipleship. For those who are already in a discipleship, God may speak about a ministry. Do you know that we almost had 60 teenagers here this Friday, not even a special event? 60. That's more than half a hundred. Come on, the youth needs workers. You know that they have about 50 children, uh, 50 people, 50, uh, 30, 40 children and 10 workers every Wednesday? Just Wednesday. King's kids picking up the west side, inner city kids. They could use your help. You know that our Bible studies reach out and evangelize every Friday? Come on, ask God, where can I go to serve? What do you want me to do about it, Jesus? 30 seconds, God, speak to us. We've given enough time and money to the Cubs. You don't call that sin, but if we don't give that same time and money to your church, you'll say we wasted our lives. Wasted it. Wasted it for nothing. It's not about sports and entertainment. I'm so sick and tired of seeing everybody's life busy, busy, busy. What are you busy doing? Oh, I'm busy going here like a busy little bee. Saints, put God first in your life. Watch what it'll do. Your busyness creates nothing but chaos. Declutter your life, friends. I double dog dare somebody to turn off the TV all this week and just watch how much time you find laying around. I dare you to shut off your, your Facebook and see how much time you have to put your face into God's book. I just dare you. I dare you to do it. Take me at my word. Come tell me if it didn't work for you. Come on, God, what do you want me to do about it? I just can't sit here and do nothing. Would you look up at me before we close? I got you late, so let me take you a little bit later. It's a funny story, but I got to share it with you. It was a guy, he retired because of disability. He didn't have anything else to do in his life. He collected a check. He sat on his lawn chair every day. One day he saw in the park further off that there were those people with hot air balloons. He was sitting on his lawn chair. He got an idea. He said, I wonder how many balloons it would take for me to lift up this lawn chair. He was retired. He didn't have anything else to do. So he started buying helium balloons. This is a true story. Find it online. Seriously. He started buying balloons. He, he found out the little ones wouldn't work, so he started buying the party one. And eventually he got those commercial-grade ones that they would put advertisements on. And he eventually put it onto his, his lawn chair, and he began to float up in the sky. The problem was he didn't anchor himself. He just kept going and going. They had to stop air traffic around his house. He eventually figured it out that if he let down the air on the balloon slowly, he could bring his lawn chair down from, I think, 10,000 altitude. It's online. Fine. It's a true story. They even made a movie about it. 
The news came to him. Why in the world did you put balloons on your lawn chair and try to float into the sky? Listen to his answer. It will blow your mind, Americans, because I'm just like you. It will blow your mind. He said, because I just couldn't sit there and do nothing anymore. You just feel like I just can't sit down and do nothing anymore. I'm tired of hearing the news. I'm tired of seeing what's going on in the world. I'm tired of hearing my neighbor's problems. and I, They have no hope. I'm tired of seeing divorces. I have another friend. Just got another divorce. I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of just sitting here. I want to go do something. I want to do something. Amen. I want the world to know that I was on this planet and I changed a life. Even if it's just one. I can't sit here anymore. I've got to do something. Is that you today? Because as I pray for you, that's my prayers that you go out here and you just don't sit there. You get out there and you do something. Can I pray that for you? Father, send us to do something great for you. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can you say amen? Let's bless them one more time. We love you, Jesus. Come on, shout hallelujah.